the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 547, for Monday, April 6th, 2015. Uh, Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, your tips, all the stuff that you want to share. We try to answer your questions. We share your trips. Trips? Trips? We share your trips. We share your tips, too. But if you've gone on a trip, we'll share that. What the heck? Why not? We share our own trips. What's the difference? The goal, of course, being to learn at least several new things each and every time we get together and have some fun doing it. Sponsor for this episode is Smile Software or Smile at SmileSoftware.com. PDF Pen Scan Plus app for the iPhone is what we're going to talk about today. Very, very cool changes uh, and updates that they've made for free to anyone that was a previous owner. And of course, for you, if you uh, if you purchase the app for your iPhone. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut. Now, uh, uh, back up and running from my backup. And uh, I think we're going to do well here. Uh, this is Jonathan Braun. And here in Durham, New Hampshire, not on a trip to share with you this week. This was Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're not on a trip yeah, this week, yeah. man. I was actually supposed to be, but I fat fingered it on my computer and didn't call back in well in time and lost my trip. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny that that, yeah. that you, yeah. Whoops. You, you couldn't work. Well, they didn't, it's not that you couldn't work. They didn't have work for you because right. they didn't expect you to I had you to called be in there. sick. I expected to go back well. And uh, my doctor's appointment was after the time which they took my trip away from me. Uh, for, you know, I should, what I should have done is gone, I know I'm going to be well, call in well. Sure. But I didn't, you know, I didn't lead time. And I forgot, there's, there's all kinds of scheduling contract sure. stuff that gets oh, in there. Yeah. But essentially it was a longer trip. And the longer trips, they don't take away from you the day prior. They take away from two days prior. So that they, they need to know yeah, that they, they got, aren't they, hustling to try yeah. to find somebody to cover a long trip. So you said that was like a 14 day trip, huh? Uh, it was long. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. So okay. it, it was, it yeah. was bad. No, well, <laughs> well, I'm listen, you know, I'm sorry it had to work out that way, but not entirely yeah, because so we get, it, we we get, get to have you here with us. And I'm flying a makeup trip here starting tomorrow. So oh, that's good. So yeah. you're not totally getting out. some of it back. Yeah. Cool. Just painful. So, John, yeah, tell us a little bit. Uh, so, I it, already I, I know that things are better this week simply because our Skype call uh, has been going 32 minutes before the show. Obviously, we just started recording the show, but we do some pre-show. And it's been going flawlessly. So, I, I feel like at least from that standpoint, uh, we're better than we were last week. Uh, but, uh, so, tell us tell us what happened. You're, you're, you're still on the spindle drive which means that the problem was not necessarily with the spindle drive, though it could have been because you just were doing. Uh, go ahead, explain what what uh, what you've done. I, I doubt it was. So so the SSD uh, is kind of in zombie mode, and then hmm. it, it sometimes appears on the bus, sometimes it doesn't. I okay. worked with the tech support at OZC, and then they basically said, "Yeah, it sounds like it's shot. We'll, yeah. we'll, we're we're going to replace it for you." Got so it. um. But I was able to see it at times, and that you know that's kind of disconcerting. I mean, a lot of people who saw my, you know, uh, uh, reports about it said it's kind of a zombie drive, and it kind of is. Sometimes it shows up. Sometimes I get the prompt for the uh, file vault password. Sometimes I don't, and it sure. just 
wedges the uh, finder and it spins and it never shows up or it says it was ejected improperly. So yeah, so that drive is 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 going to be replaced. There, right. There's something quite wrong with it. But it was then even I, less uh, than a year old. So then yeah. And hey, drives die, whether they be SSDs or, or rotational. Um, my experience has been SSDs tend to uh, fail more spectacularly. <laughs> yes. But well, that they, may, they may fail, not be your experience. They fail more permanently. Uh, there, there's, yeah. there's, it's, it's, it's a fairly binary failure, right? The drive is either working or it is failed. And that's the end of it. And like I said, this one is in a, a weird in-between state in that it's not totally dead, but it's not totally alive. Sometimes it seems so. But basically, I think the problem that I was having last week was also the enclosure. So I had a uh, older iOmega um, USB 2 slash FireWire 800, and I would connect it with FireWire 800. And that's how I had it hooked up to my Mini for the last show. And as, as some of you may recall, I would get into periods of inactivity or you, you couldn't see it. I could see it, but the thing is I would get this spinning beach ball of, of eternal weight. <laughs> well, you, yeah. And I think that's frequently. That's and I think right it was because, and I think it was because not uh, the drive was not malfunctioning because now the drive is inside the mini. So I opened up the mini. It's a, it's kind of a pain in the neck, this class of mini to replace the drive. Uh, but I did it. But the thing is uh, that there was also, I think either a problem with the cable or the enclosure. Because it would just get in this state where everything was unresponsive. The finder was all confused. I would get the spinning beach ball. And then everything would come back and be great. So that's where we're that's at good. now. So so the rotational drive is, uh, you know, I think we're going to make it through the show. My processor is, you know, at, you know, like 42%. Um, I haven't seen a spinning beach ball yet from anybody. And, and I think we're good. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I still wonder if it's actually the enclosure or if it was... Um, I ditched the enclosure. I'm 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 gonna do. The, uh, I I don't trust that enclosure anymore. Well, wait, let me, so let, me gonna, let me finish my thought. I mean, it, it's please, it, it was it either the enclosure or was it that because you had moved to your clone drive, as it, it it and and by nature of it being a spindle drive, things being slower and more subject to CPU uh, I/O weight states, as it was building your spotlight caches and all of those indexes back up with that, what was killing us last week, because it was only moments before the show that you had to, you know, punt and switch to that drive. And we may never know. Um, I just don't, I, I want people to be I'm gonna, aware of I'm, these uh, things. When yes. You, when I'm you gonna, start I'm from a clone, lean, it, it, right, that's right. the first thing that happens is all of this indexing happens again and, and is going to slow you down. I'm going to lead lean again towards the enclosure because sure. I am now also running. So my backup drive uh, currently now is a USB two external drive. So I, I set up again uh, a karma copy cloner backup like I did before, before I had it uh, to a rate array of both a firewire and a USB drive. Now I just have it going to the USB drive. Got it. Uh, and I haven't seen similar hesitations uh, if, if in fact I do run off of this, uh, which is actually an important thing for everybody listening. If you have a backup drive, um, verifying ever, ever so often <laughs> that it actually <laughs> yep. works is very important. And in this case, uh, my bad, I did not on the firewire drive. I just 
trusted that the backup was uh, and the enclosure and the cable were all in good shape. And as it turns out, I, uh, again, I, I believe they were not. Right. One of the pieces was broken. Um, I'm now on a single backup drive, which is still, I have both a time machine backup because when I brought the drive over um, back inside the mini and I, you know, I rebooted time machine was like, Oh yeah, we're good. We'll, we'll resume where we left off uh, as far as time machine or the, for most programs, as far as they were concerned, everything was identical because it yeah. had the same UUID yeah. and all that stuff. A uh, few things. No different UUID or UDID, right? Uh, whatever, but whatever, but, it on but the drive. whatever they used to identify the environment, they were like, okay, th- this is a different drive, but it's yeah. Time machine is smart enough to, to do that and get it right most of the time. Uh, but things like, like you said, Dropbox and, and Google drive and those things. Right. And actually the first time machine backup, if you look in the console, so a lot of times what'll happen is if you do restore, if you do move to a backup um, and you, if you have a failed drive and then you go to a backup drive, the first time time machine runs, if you look in the console, you'll see this, it'll say, all right, I know this is kind of the same drive. You know, it has the same name and a lot of things are the same, but the UUID, you're correct, Dave, I'm sorry. Uh, The UUID, which is a unique identifier, is different. So I'm going to do a deep transversal of the drive to rebuild the index of things that I have to compare against uh, the the last time machine backup. So it did did realize that. And I saw that in the console. It's like, yeah, okay, new drive, no problem. We'll start from the beginning and uh you know and then we'll resume your backup but then all the backups now are all incremental you know it's not doing the whole whole darn thing again sure right yeah it just gets it it gets its bearings which is what dropbox does too it makes you log back in but then it says hey there's a dropbox folder here hang on and then it kind of compares and says yep all right all in sync it doesn't re-download everything or or, or any of that so I, i'm trying to think i think there's a you know a couple others too i think it may text Text expander may be one of them, uh, some of the rules on that and all that. So my recommendation would be, you know, if you do the clone drive thing, it wouldn't hurt now and then to just go ahead and boot from it and see what kind of issues pop up so that when you're doing it for real, you go, oh, that yeah, that normally happens. This wouldn't hurt. That's that's a great. Yeah. That way you you're you're in a panic scenario and not panicking about the wrong yeah, thing. Trying to read, yeah, trying to read what's this Dropbox thing? Oh, no, it's going to erase all my debt. No, it's not. Just let it do its thing. You know, yep. you're good to go or. Yeah, that's or, a good oh, thing. No, that's bad. <laughs> good thing to try on a Saturday afternoon when sure. when the world is relaxed, right. or whenever right. your world is relaxed. That you know, Saturday may or may not. Don't do it when you're getting ready to record a podcast. That's right, John. That's right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't have much of a choice, right? These things happen. No, I mean, it happened the morning. I just happened to notice that things were not right the morning. You know, a couple right. hours beforehand. So, uh, yeah. But no, you're right, Pete. I mean, uh, the making backups is. Yeah, but test. I guess what I'm saying Part is test making backups, backups is one, but but as you're saying, verification of the backup, which yeah. sometimes not all like Time Machine has this rudimentary verify no, backup. No, thing no, 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 no. I will not let you ever say that Time Machine lets you verify the backup. Well, it says it's verified. I know, <laughs> and and that's why it's really important that people understand. Thank you. All this does is verify the structure of the backup disk it does not verify the integrity of the data that's uh, it's the same as doing a verify in disk utility in fact it is that exact same verification so if you let me finish what i would say is that what pete is saying is exactly right as right yeah but time machine but but, but to say (laughs) that time machine does a verification of the backups is wrong because some some backup software actually does 
a compare when it finishes copying to make sure that what it copied is actually there and, and all of that. That, that sadly is less and less common, you know, super duper and carbon copy cloner to my knowledge. Don't do that. Uh, retrospect was the one that I remember did that. And, and I love the fact that it did it. Cause it, you know, you felt comfortable like, all right, I'd save to my tape drive or whatever it was back then when we used retrospect. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that whole time machine verify backup thing is bogus. It's not, it, it's an irresponsibly labeled thing because it, yes, it's verifying the structure of either the volume or the, uh, the disc image, but that's it. Yeah. Lead you down the primrose path. It, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Alex, uh, in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream says, uh, it, regarding the uh, SSD there, John, and, and it going on and offline, he, he, he says, despite the actual source of the issue, in a general sense, if anyone experiences the same symptoms of a drive coming online and going offline, it could be incorrect reassembly of the parts. So sometimes a disassembly and subsequent reassembly can help. Uh, this, of course, is not in consideration of restoring backups. And that's right. Yeah. So thanks, Alex. You're right. It, I mean, in your case, John, it was most definitely the drive that's causing this. But if you're seeing that symptom, it may not be the drive. It could be uh, any number of things. It could be the cable. It could be the motherboard or it could be how they're all assembled together. So thanks, Alex. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. No, I popped it in a different USB enclosure and it exhibited the same Actually, the symptoms were it, it act it behaved a, a little better. So that's why, yeah. There, there's this whole kind of weird matrix of of cause and uh, you know of things that could be causing the problem. And I think again, the the problem that I had was the perhaps the enclosure, perhaps the cable right. that I was using. But the drive itself, when I put it in a different USB two enclosure, um, that I knew was functioning properly. Um, last I used it, uh, I saw the same symptoms. So. Um, I guess just a uh, suggestion that, you know, always look at all the different pieces and try to methodically replace and analyze the, the integrity of each one, I guess is, is uh, kind of the takeaway here. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. long winded. <laughs> that's what Alex is saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I mean, even though, yeah, the machine takes much longer to boot now as, as it should with a rotational drive, it's, right. uh, it's, it's usable. All right. That's what we want. I want to talk about, actually, you know what? I want to go to Brian here because this, this actually this yeah, excited right. me when I, when I realized it today, Brian wrote in a question and he said, when doing some housekeeping on my various personal and business documents scattered all over my home folder, I had to search for documents using Spotlight. This is great at finding and opening documents, but is there an easy way to determine the actual file path of an open file or selected file so it can be moved from different directories? And the answer is yes. Uh, I had no idea that Spotlight did all these extra things, but there are some things you can do. Uh, if you open up Spotlight and do a search for something, while you are uh, on any of the entries in Spotlight, and this was Yosemite that I did this, uh, and you hit the command key, you will instantly see the path to that file appear uh, right there in your Spotlight results. Kind of at the bottom, it's an, it floats over the bottom of the window. So you can see where it is. Now, if you want to go to it, uh, if you hit command R, 
that will reveal that file in the finder. So it'll bring up a finder window with that file selected and you're exactly where that file is. You can move it to anywhere you want. You can also use things like command I when something is highlighted in spotlight, uh, my experience and, and it's short lived because I only started messing with it earlier today when prepping this show or this episode is that it is treated like it is selected in the finder. So uh, very interesting and happy little uh, happy little tidbit. But that that whole float or the, the hold down the command button and see the path to the file. That was that's a cool tip. Yeah. I know. You know, the funny thing is, it's so interesting. I, this has frustrated me for years that I can't figure out what to do, but I, I don't ever stop to solve the problem until one of you writes in and asks about it. And then of course I go out of my way and figure out how to solve the problem. And then it'll, it'll help all of us. So thanks for asking. Cause I'll, I don't know why I never stopped to solve that myself, but, um, but there we go. So thanks, Brian. Good stuff. Jeff, uh, did you have anything to add to that? I didn't, I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot to add unless you found some extra commands there, John. No, no, that's good. The uh, 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 move on. All right, uh, Jeff writes. I used. Uh, let's see. I have a question regarding backups. Recently, Amazon announced that their cloud drive uh, has an unlimited backup space option for only fifty nine ninety nine U S dollars per year. I was hoping to put up images of three computers I have in my house as offsite storage, MacBook Air, iMac, and MacBook Pro. I take images of them using Carbon Copy Cloner 4, but I've been putting those images on a partition drive, which I could then make bootable if anything goes awry. That's smart. Uh, my question is, is there a way to make a bootable backup that's stored in such a way that it's suitable to upload to Amazon Cloud Drive, but which would later be downloadable to use as a bootable backup uh, to restore an image to restore to a blank drive to then boot from? Uh, I would want to do this for all three of my Macs. So, yes, I mean, you could take those same images that you're using now and uh, back them up to you know, just copy them up to Amazon cloud drive. If you pay your unlimited fee, it's unlimited. Uh, it will take a long time for those to, to get up there because you're backing up everything, which is why cloud backups typically don't include all the stuff you would need to boot. Uh, it's why we recommend cloud backups only as a, or it's one of the reasons we recommend cloud backups is only a part of your backup strategy. Really the best thing to put in the cloud is just your documents and the things that you can't recreate locally uh you're much better off that way because if it, otherwise you're uploading all kinds of data that you already have applications and things like that um that are part of the system there's no reason to back all that up and and waste all that bandwidth but you could uh if bandwidth is either free or, or cheap and of course speed uh, is not a factor however I highly recommend you pay attention to and perhaps even suggest this feature to the uh, the folks at Haystack Software, which is Stefan Reitschamer, uh, and and their awesome online backup software, ARC, A-R-Q. ARC is a piece of backup software that lets you specify your own online destination. So whereas things like CrashPlan and Backblaze and all of those have their business model is we're going to, you know, basically uh, provide you with a place to put things. Arc is going to provide you with a piece of software to put things wherever you want and wherever you want has an asterisk. You can only put things in places where Arc has built and tested a, a backup path. 
Right now, they support Google Drive, Dropbox, Amazon Web Services, uh, which includes Amazon Glacier as well as other things, and uh, just a standard SFTP account. Uh, But right there on their homepage, it says, do you want us to notify you when we add things like Amazon Cloud Drive support? So they're definitely working on this, which is no great surprise. You know, as, as more of these things come online, uh, they always work. I know Stefan always works to add this stuff to the software and arc is a great, great piece of software. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I would definitely go, they have a little mailing list to, to find out when cloud drive support comes out. So I would recommend checking that out. Uh, but also you can follow arc backup on Twitter and even suggest some of these features. Like maybe, you know, you do want a, uh, bootable backup or at least a bootable disk image to be stored as a backup. So suggest it. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not a big deal for, uh, for them to add that feature. I don't know, but, uh, but add it suggest it now while, while they're in development of it, maybe they'll even have you test it for, I don't know, but uh, ARQ backup on Twitter. And of course it's haystacksoftware.com slash ARQ, but we'll put a link in the show notes. So you don't have to remember any of that. Uh, great piece of bass backup software. Highly recommend checking it out. So you want to tell us about Mark, John, unless you have Mark. something about arc to add. No, it's an interesting, uh, I think it's an interesting, uh, subject because you have two categories, right? I mean, you have bootable backups that are typically direct connected, and then you could create a disc image, I guess, in theory, and store it on one of these cloud services that has outrageous amounts of space as a bootable backup. I, I, I don't know if I, I personally don't do that. So in theory, you could, right? Yeah, you can. It, it's like, you know, it's not, it, to me, it's not worth it. it I, if I would either restore from my clone or if I have mm-hmm. to use online backup, I mean, it's just going to be so slow getting all that data down that I'd rather reinstall OS 10 from my local copy of OS 10 And then, you know, just copy my data back there. The stuff that I can't recreate from, from things locally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, there's two classes. I think of backups. One is document based, which, you know, BitCasa and Dropbox and and all that stuff. And then there's the guys that let you create a bootable one. Yeah. uh, You know, again, to me, based on my recent experience, (laughs) the best tool, I mean, you know, carbon copy cloner is, uh, I swear by it because that, that saved me from, from disaster. Right. We wouldn't have been able to record the show last week, at least not at the time when we were scheduled to record it, if you did not have a clone. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, in theory, Dave, um, my MacBook Pro, if I did pull the audio case, I, oh, I think sure. the biggest, That's the, right. the, the largest, the, the biggest change I would have to make is how do I get my audio, you know, my rather nice audio set up, thanks to our various, uh, you know, <laughs> companies that gave us goodies. Um, we bought a lot how would of those I take goodies, this? but that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but don't, uh, give, don't yeah. give people too much credit. <laughs> okay. Or either purchased by, you yeah. know, um, 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 the man. Uh, but my biggest, cha- and I was actually considering this. I was like, oh my gosh, what if my mini is totally unusable? How would I pull off doing the podcast? And actually the biggest challenge, oh. like I said, would be how do I get the audio into and out of, and and That'd be, the thing that's is, trivial. there's yeah. And the thing is, yeah, there's two cables. I have two cables. One is audio in, and one is audio out, going into my mini. And my MacBook Pro has the exact same ports. Oh, there you so, go. Yep. 
that would work. I have the same software. I have Skype. I have uh, pretty much all the, all the same software on my MacBook right. Pro. So it would have been an inconvenience in that I would have to use the MacBook Pro and not have my LCD in front of me or my keyboard. So, so my peripherals, I would, I could have done it. But but again, I, w- I was looking for a way not to have to do that. <laughs> in retrospect, that's exactly what we should have done. Probably, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes this happens. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think of it at the time either, but now that you mention it, that would have been a way better answer than trying to mess around with what we were dealing with. Could have had but you know, the fix it, the fix it. Yeah, exactly. But Dave, the, the fix it guy in me was like, you know, uh, again, I, I, I considered the option, but I was like, I'm going to try to fix what is broken versus abandoning all hope and moving to a different platform. Sure. But you're right. In retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it was one I, bandaid versus another. It's not a fit. Neither is a fix. If I had, because I had a couple hours, you know, it's a couple hours for the podcast. Oh, if I, I had see. decided to go down the path of just moving everything over to the MacBook Pro, which is, you know, more powerful machine than my podcast machine, um, that would have video. been another option. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> That's right. Your MacBook Pro strong enough to do video. Wait a minute. Hey. Well, sure, Ken. All right. Huh. So, uh, yeah, stop. Right. Uh, uh, hello, <laughs> squirrel. No, video would be good. I, I think it would be good. All right. Anyway, uh, you want to take us to Mark? All right. Oh, we got two Marks. All right. So Mark number one. Uh, here's what I got for him. So Mark number one says, hi, guys. I have a problem with slow loading of any web pages. Below is what I mean in that by. I mean that you can see that the status bar gets stuck for one to 10 seconds at this location before the page eventually loads. It doesn't matter if I, number one, change to a different DNS, OpenDNS or Google. Number two, clear caches with CleanMyMac or Onyx. Or number three, am on my home network or, say, at a coffee shop. How can I further troubleshoot this and figure out at what stage is it getting stuck? Perhaps some utility. And yes, there is a utility, Dave. So I he, will he just, mention. So that everybody knows what the heck you just explained. Um, he sent us a screenshot of his Safari uh, progress bar and it's maybe about uh, 15% across uh, in loading the New York times website in his, in his screenshot. And it's just stuck there. So that, that very early stage uh, of a web page being requested and no, nothing displayed on the screen and it just stuck. So now how do we solve this? Well, I'll offer one tool. I mean, there are a lot of tools that monitor your networking and show you what connections, but I, I would say the tool, Dave, that I think is most appropriate in this case is a tool that I came across and we've mentioned, but I'll mention again. It's called Private Eye. What does Private Eye do? Oh, well, we're so, supposed to do the Hall and Oates thing, right? When you say Private Eye, we got to do, right? That's how it works. We're watching so, you. See? <laughs> Go ahead. I remember. Yeah. So uh, Private Eye is a tool that, is kind of in the middle. Uh, it's not, it, I'll say it is a protocol analyzer. So, so what do I mean by a protocol analyzer? A protocol analyzer is a network tool such as Wireshark or some others or Dubuki, right? Yep. Uh, Dubuki has actually been doing a lot of uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, check those guys out. They're awesome. But they've been adding, and I haven't checked it out date, but actually reportedly they're adding more Wireshark or low-level analysis capabilities through their tool. Oh, but, interesting. Um, but private eye is kind of in the middle in that what it will show you is that when you run it, it will show you 
not everything, because sometimes you don't need to know everything, but it'll just show you two columns, source, destination. The source will be the program that's asking for the information. The destination will be where the information is being asked to come from. <laughs> and in this case, I think that is what you're going to need in this case to diagnose this problem. It's getting stuck somewhere. Now, why it's getting stuck, we don't know that yet. And we haven't heard back yet. But, but the thing is, this will show you because it timestamps all of the individual instances of whatever program is asking for information and whatever program is providing it. And we'll timestamp it and show you when that happens. Yeah. So I would say that's step one. That's what this will do. So if there's anything hesitating, and again, the reasons could be numerous. Uh, it could be that it could be his ISP sucks. Uh, he said he did the DNS. So the, the DNS may, uh, um, it, it could be the, the, CDN, I guess, or the content distribution network or like Akamai or whoever that is being used by these people to distribute the content. Though, actually, no, I'll take that back because he said he sees this in multiple locations. So yeah. I'll take that back. It sounds machine specific. It, it is. It's got to be right uh, because it's because it's happening in multiple places. And I, I don't I'm not even convinced it's a network problem machine specific. Really? I think it might be a Safari problem. Um, you know, Safari. Well, that's another. That's another thing. I, I don't know if he said he tried a different browser. It sounds like he's using well, Safari. Yeah, that, that was that was going to be my suggestion: is try it with <laughs> Firefox and see if that's where it goes. And and if that if it is if it does happen with Firefox, mm. um, the first thing I would do is well, I, there's a couple of files I would check. Now, in theory, OS tens should be um, managing these for you, but. In the terminal, there are two files. One is called, it, it's in the um, Etsy directory. So Etsy being ETC is what Unix geeks call the uh, that, that directory. So in slash Etsy, there's a file called hosts, H-O-S-T-S. You want to make sure that there's nothing here. Really, there should be three non-commented entries. And comments in these types of files are lines that start with the pound sign or the hash sign uh, in today's lingo. And typically on an OS 10 machine, you got three lines. One is for local host at 127.001. One is for broadcast host at 255.255.255.255. And the last is local host at your IPv6 address of colon colon one. Uh, that file should, if you have stuff in here that's for, say, nytimes.com and things like that, that could be causing some issues because it's trying to load from the wrong place. I don't think that's your issue, though, based on what you're seeing. However, in this same directory, again, uh, slash etc slash resolve.conf, and resolve is R-E-S-O-L-V, no E, so R-E-S-O-L-V dot C-O-N-F. This is where your system has its uh, domain name lookup parameters set. And in theory, again, changing these in, in network uh, system preference pane will change this resolve.com file. That's how that works. But you should have uh, one or two, maybe three name servers listed here, depending on how things are going. And take a look at what the first one is, because I believe OS 10 does not round robin these. I think it just goes for the first one. Um, that's going to be the one that's doing that lookup. And, and the other thing to look at is what domain is set in here. Uh, 
and again, this is this is uh, something that can be set by uh, inside network preferences. If you go into advanced uh, for DNS, you'll see search domains. Uh, if there's anything listed there, take it out and make sure that uh, that that's clear because that that might also be be causing a problem. It might be trying to pad, say, you know, comcast.comcast.net or, or something onto the end of whatever domains you're looking up. So it might be trying to look up instead of just www.newyorktimes.com, it might be looking up www.newyorktimes.com.comcast.net. And if these things are screwed up, it will fail on those and then come around. But this whole 10 second delay that you're talking about is definitely DNS related. It, it, but the question is, where is this problem happening? Is it something internal to Safari or is it, you know, something on your Mac and, and you could even try a different user account. Although most of those network settings are all system wide. So you're probably not going to need those. But uh, but yeah, check that search domain thing in your in your DNS and remove everything from DNS servers there. Uh, it should auto fill those with. Yeah. He um, says he's changed them, but yeah. I know. So, yeah, but I know. And that's yeah. why I, that's why I'm not obsessing over the DNS servers. But that search domain thing can really screw you up. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe you should, because I, I, I don't believe uh, I, I was doing some research while you were talking, Dave. I don't believe you mentioned this, but there is. A handy dandy little article over at Apple called "Reset the DNS Cache in OS 10." Now, I know he mentioned he did this sure. using Onyx, but Apple has an explicit article telling you how to do this, and it actually is using. Oh gosh, yeah, it's a, it's some uh, it's MDNS responder it, it, or whatever. Yeah. Well, it actually differs depending on the version of OS 10 that you're using. So we will link to this in the lovingly handcrafted show notes. But there is a Apple support article. Um, and unfortunately caches, caches are great. Caches are stores of data that, uh, should make your computer operate faster because what should happen is your computer says, Hey, I want this data, but a cache says, no, I got, I got the latest. You don't have to look this up again. And, and that's a good thing. But the problem is if the cache is corrupted or stale or whatever, then things fall apart and something like this could happen. So I'll just mention that last thing. And again, we'll, we'll link to this. Uh, he, uh, uh, he said he used Onyx. I'm, I'm not sure what caches were cleared in Onyx, but maybe this one specific one was not. So that's the last piece of advice. You know, um, in the, uh, in the chat room, we've got uh, John and Alex going back and forth with a couple of things here. One oh, is boy. that um, if you, John mentions it, John in the chat room, not you, John, um, mentions it's possible that this is uh, the result of a partial or or incomplete IPv6 connection. So try going in and turning IPv6 to link local only. And that's in system preferences. You choose your, your interface, you go to advanced, uh, and then right on the TCP IP tab, you have configure IPv6. Change that from automatically or manual to link local only. And and see because it might be trying to do this and trying to do this lookup over you know, IPv6 and then falling back or it's possible I I'm not convinced that's what it is uh, I, but yeah I will back this up so you and I have different ISPs Dave so I have Optimum Online which for the most part I'm very happy with except they're slow but whatever well uh, they uh, for for what I pay for for the basic package I have gotten advertised speeds. 
So, oh, no, no, no. I know. The they other, just, on they're, the, on, their advertised on, speeds are just slow. That's all I meant. On the yeah. other hand, well, if you want 101 megabits per second, you can pay them and they'll give oh, it to really? you. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, they have, they call it uh, Ultra 101. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, the the data speed is in line with, I think, what they want is about $100 extra per month for 101 nice. megabits, which huh. to me, yeah, right now I'm paying, so so I get my cable TV and uh, internet from them, and I think I pay about 50 bucks each. And my internet, I think, is, last I checked, it's 18 down and 5 up, which, for me, that works. For some people, no. You you, you know, they have the sure. boost, and, you know, they, they keep trying to squeeze, you know, 5 or 10 or 15 more dollars out of everybody per month. But uh, for the most part, I'm happy with them. But the one part I'm not happy, in, and the, the, the reason I mention this is I'm not not happy with them though i wish they'd give me more speed for what i pay them for but anytime i go to youtube dave i always get a pause and i'm almost convinced it's the ipv6 and then i'll go to it Uh, well no what'll happen Uh, no well the thing is google is blaming them so the thing is i'll go to youtube which now youtube and google are kind of the same thing now right right yeah youtube uh, is owned by google the thing is almost uh, Probably about half the time when I try to get a Google, uh, a YouTube video, it will start streaming, then it will pause, and then it'll resume again. And a lot of times it won't be a fluid experience, and then they'll bring up a little status window saying, hey, you know what? We noticed that your connection kind of sucks. You want us to tell you why? And they always point at my using Hurricane IPv6 tunnel. (laughs) So that's why I think this IPv6 comment is... Now, now maybe Google. The, I, I don't know why they're blaming your, your them, problem. But, but. Sounds more like the the issue where ISPs like Optimum and Charter and Comcast mm-hmm. cache frequently accessed or recently accessed sure. YouTube content, and and then you know need to do a handoff to get the rest of it, and yeah. and it slows down. So I'm not entirely convinced yours is related to Hurricane, but the way to test it is turn that off and see what happens. Yeah, because again, when YouTube detects a big problem, they'll bring up a little window saying, hey, we, we noticed the problem. Yeah. Let me tell you why we think there's a problem. Stay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, we'll stay, well, or back. <laughs> or forward. Yeah, or Alex, sideways. Alex has, Alex um, mentioned checking the uh, library, not, not your user library, but oh, the main library folder at the top of the drive. Uh, preferences and system configuration. He says there's quite a bit of files out there that um, that that might lead to a uh, a couple of p lists out there. I should say that uh, that may may help to reset system wide network stuff. And I'm looking in there now. Um, network interfaces dot p list that actually could be. Actually, it could be a helpful one to move out of the way and reboot. Uh, rebooting will reset your DNS cache too, um, in most cases, I believe. But I, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a DNS issue. That, that ten second delay certainly feels like that. But try it with a different browser just to make sure that you're not driving yourself crazy there, Mark. I want to talk about our first sponsor, which is Smile at SmileSoftware.com. Uh, Today I get to talk about one of my favorite apps from Smile, and that's PDF Pen Scan Plus. This is an iPhone app that is built to create PDFs and using using your iPhone as a scanner. 
And it's one of the coolest things I've ever used because when I use it, I feel like I'm uh, in a spy movie. You know, somebody will break into somebody's office. Not that I recommend breaking into somebody's office, but bear with me here. It makes a good story, right? So somebody will break into somebody's office and pull, uh, you know, some sort of file out of a, a file drawer. And then they want to take pictures of it and put it back so that the person doesn't know that they've, you know, that they stole a copy of this file. And they take out their little, you know, in the old days, it was like some pen camera or something. And they snapping pictures as they go. That's what this does. But version two, uh, you don't even have to snap the pictures. It does. It has edge and page detection. So, for example, recently I, I started doing a new musical and uh, and I needed I wanted to turn the book into a PDF. Now, uh, I've talked about my trials and tribulations with this before. The problem is these books are bound, so I can't just take them and, and sheet feed it into my, you know, uh, my scanner because I would have to like take this spiral binding out and I'd never get it back in. And so, uh, so I use PDF scan plus and I just sat there and it's about a hundred page book, maybe a 70 page book, I guess for this one, it took me all of about four minutes to do because I just hold my phone over the book. It senses the you know page on the left. I move it. Senses the page on the right. I flip the page, page on the left, page on the right, flip the page, page on the left, page on the right, and so on and so forth. I'm not going to walk you through each of those iterations because I think you get War what I'm peace. talking about. What's that? War and peace. Thanks, yeah. yeah, thanks, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> Pete's over here like, no, <laughs> he's starting to make a sandwich. Um, it really is a cool piece of software. And now uh, you can actually write in the app even before or after uh, you create the scan. You can decide whether you want it to be color grayscale or just truly you know monochrome black and white and uh, for this theater thing black and white's perfect because i don't need it to guess and say oh well you know the page isn't exactly white maybe it's a, a gray and no no no. i want the page to be white i want the notes on the page to be black that's you know high contrast scenario for for stuff like that is great but that's the beauty is you can set it any way you want and it works it really really works and i can create a, uh, you know, a 70 page PDF in five minutes. And the cool part is then you can save it off to iCloud or Dropbox, or you can, if it's this, I didn't want OCR because it's, it's notes on a page, but, uh, and, and, uh, sadly, I don't know of any OCR engine that could actually decipher, uh, sheet music. That'd be cool if it would put like the right in the notes. But anyway, uh, if you, if it were a document that, you know, had text on it that you wanted it to turn into editable text or even just turn into regular text so that it uh, makes the PDF that much smaller because it doesn't have to be an image anymore. It will do that. It's got that all built into it. It's really amazing uh, how powerful these devices that we keep in our pockets are. And with software like PDF Pen Scan Plus, you, you really can tap into some of that power. And Frankly, you don't even realize it, right? I mean, it just works and you're like, oh, this is great. This seems so normal. It's not normal. 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, we would have freaked out about this. We're, I'm freaking out about it now because it it solves a problem and it does it really, really well. You can set uh, page size. So if you're scanning business cards or receipts, you know, you can you can tell it, hey, you know, you give it some hints. It does have this auto edge detection. But uh, but, you know, if you want to give it some hints, you can do that, too. So. Check it out. Uh, smilesoftware.com. Obviously, when you're ready to buy, the app is in the iOS app store, the iTunes app store. And that's where you get it from. But uh, check it all out. Smilesoftware.com. PDF Pen Scan Plus. Highly recommend it. Fantastic stuff from a fantastic company. Thanks to Smile for sponsoring 
this show and this particular episode in particular. All right. Uh, we are going to jump to uh, Tim here because Tim had a fantastic um, question. Tim says, I recently upgraded my system to Mavericks and I'm now experiencing random system restarts. I've been doing some Googling, but can't seem to find anything that is helpful to me. I'll attach the crash log, which he did. And in looking at the crash log, he sees something that says uh, BSD process name corresponding to current thread colon crash plan service. And he says, uh, can you tell what's causing this from the log? It mostly happens when connected to a second display. He said it would be ironic if crash plan is causing my system to crash. Um, so that's one thing to look at in a crash report. But the thing I always look at, especially when it's a hard crash like this, and it's not just an app quitting, but if the, if it's the system, you know, restarting or it's clearly something that's impacting the hardware, is I start looking at the kernel extensions. That gives some indication as to what was going on hardware-wise, what drivers were trying to be loaded into the OS, what was happening uh, right at or just before things went south and on his, I see uh, last loaded text and then right below it, last unloaded text com.apple.driver.appleusbcdc. And so that's some kind of USB device driver based on what we uh, can read in the, well, in the, in the log. And to me, that tells me it, you know, what kind of second monitor is this? Is there, you know, is there a USB hub on this second monitor? Is there something plugged into this USB hub? Is there something wacky going on? Uh, or is it just that, you know, your Mac in and of itself is having USB problems? And if so, again, you know, going back to any of these hardware crashes, sometimes the best thing to do is reset the SMC on the Mac. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at an Apple device driver. So presumably these are pretty well tested and not likely to cause problems, but no guarantees. But, you know, if, if they're not causing lots of trouble for lots of other people, try resetting the SMC and we'll, we'll give some instructions as to how to do that in the, the show notes. It's a little bit different for each, each Mac. So, but those are my thoughts. What do you think, John? I got a lot of problems with this, Dave. All right. <clears throat> Number one, the big problem I have is looking at the crash report. So it says, oh, we got a problem with com.apple.driver.appleusbcdc. Yeah. Did you notice the version of that driver? 4.2.1b5? Yeah. Does that make you... <laughs> No, I, I know Unhappy. where you're going. I, it, 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 you're you're reading that as 4.2.1 beta 5. That's not necessary. Which is exactly what it says. Well, no, it does. <laughs> well, but that's not it. Well, you're, you're it, it could be build five. I mean, I've seen a lot of things it, installing software on, you know, building new uh, right. things on and Unix machines where it's not necessarily a beta version no, of a driver. No, and I, I, I uh, um, all I'll say. So if you if so number one the the fact that it's identified as an Apple driver and a beta driver so to me it's at least it's not identified as a beta it may 
It has a B in it. The That's inf- all. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. The information string for the version has a B in it. Okay? Yeah. I would say most software people, when you version something, if you put a B and a number, that means it's a beta. Okay. It sounds like you may disagree, but I'm, I'm, I'm just pointing this out as a flag where if you see a driver with a B or an A or a D at the end, that means it may not be a full release version. Now, the thing is, as I found out, it that's not the case, Dave, because I'm looking at my Mavericks machine. Right. That's all, I'm, I'm just pointing out something yeah. to, to be aware of. Yep. Because I'm looking on my Mavericks machine, my Mac Mini, which is still running Mavericks. And if I look at the Apple USB CDC driver, and I'm going to tell you what that means in a moment, it does identify it in the detailed information string as 4.2.1b5. So that's yeah. not a problem. It seems that when Apple made this driver, they decided to leave that version string in there. Right. Oddly enough, in system info, in software extensions, it's identified as 4.2.1. It, it just it raised oh, a yellow flag to me. Yeah, and in Yosemite, and it's uh, it's 4.2.2b5 is 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 the kext version that's installed yeah. in yosemite so, so i'm going to wag my finger at apple and that they're being sloppy about leaving legacy version numbers in in parts of the driver which they're doing so what would apple's <laughs> just just uh how would you interpret something like out uh, the apple ty mce driver which is kext version 1.0.2 d2 well to me d is a delta Okay. Right? Or development. To me, anything in a version string that is anything except a number, especially with an alpha character like A, which to me is alpha, B is beta, D is delta, uh, means it's it's a potentially not a release version. It's a, it's a development version, right? I, well, I, no, We're not right. About I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree. I know where you're going with it, but I, I looking at Apple's text numbers most of them have letters in them. So I don't think it necessarily means in the info that. string they do, but in the versions. So uh, let me clear up what I'm saying. So if you use Apple's utility, you look at a driver, yep. you, you will get different pieces of info. One is a version number. Another, maybe a get info string. The thing is what I'm saying is that in the report that we were provided with Apple, Apple listed the get info string with something that was weird. And I, I, that doesn't make me happy. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm saying it's not weird. I mean, I found, you know, the Broadcom okay. Bluetooth right. host controller USB transport is 4.3.2 F6. I don't know what that means. I mean, it clearly okay. means something That's to even the developer, worse. right? You know, well, it's again, I, I think it's, you know, uh, making, we, we shouldn't be making presumptions about what, what those letters are meant to mean because they're not meant for us. Okay. That's that's all. all right. Yeah. All right. It's just when I see them in a crash report, it, it, it concerns me. But, but then to move on here. So what is so, so let's go to the next level here. So what is Apple USB CDC? And I actually you know did a quick look up here. And that is a and I think this is where we were going with this. So USB CDC is USB communications device class. At least according to Wikipedia. And that's a special version of USB that communicates, and they say, with either uh, a data interface, audio, okay, because I think we're getting there, mass storage, or other types of devices here. So it sounds like it's a USB driver that then talks to another USB driver. 
So it's kind of a pointer in a direction that we'd want to go to try to analyze this, but. Well, it, sure it really, really, I, I, my goal with this was to stay far more top level, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and just point oh, okay. folks towards looking at what those texts are, because they might give you some indication as to what's going yes. on, right? You know, if you see a driver for, you know, well, for example, when I was having um, issues with even this machine and, and with this machine's predecessor, I would uh, come to my desk or come to this desk in the morning and see that the machine had rebooted overnight. It's like, Oh crap, what happened? And I could look at the crash okay. report. And every time the crash report showed me that the last loaded text was the driver for that old Tascam USB uh, 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 audio interface that we used to use. Okay. It was like, okay, right. wait a minute. This is, no, no. this is a, this is where, you know, look there. Cause that might, that was an instant clue to me. Like, okay, wait, I got to find a way to get rid of this thing. If it's day after day causing my machine to die and take a look at those things. And again, if you see it's an Apple thing, in my case, it was a Tascam thing. It was like, all right, well, I know this driver was hacked to make it work for Mavericks. They haven't touched it since Yosemite. I got a punt, right? You know, there's no way they're going to update okay. this driver for me. All right, I'm with you. All right. right. So, so to, just, to, uh, just uh, from yeah. a high level. And again, if it's an Apple thing and it feels like hardware, SMC reset. That that's, that's kind of where, yeah, just top level. Cause everybody's going to see different things. It's, it, you know, this Apple USB CDC is, is Tim's specific thing, but it's not everybody's. And it's that more, it was, how are we all going to, you know, how are we all going to be able to d- right. decipher these? Well, things? I'm with you. The, the, yeah. To condense this, the last loaded KEXT or last unloaded is in all likelihood the source of the problem. And in this case, it's a USB device. If, if I, you want yeah. to condense this into, but it might, it might not <laughs> even be a device you have that you have a bad device connected. It could just be, like I said, you know, the controller on the machine, you've updated to a new OS. Maybe there's some firmware setting left. It's best to wipe those clean. An SMC reset can do wonders for you when you're seeing mm-hmm. issues with Apple hardware. Not always. Sometimes it's actually issues with Apple hardware, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to check, right? Yep. All right. Uh, Max has a splendid question, I think. Take it away, Max. Hey, John and Dave. This is Max. Um, I have a question for you guys. Um, I was wondering, so I have an iPod Touch 5, um, fifth generation, that's running the newest iOS 8.2, but when the Apple Watch comes out, I don't want to buy an iPhone 5 or 5S to use it just to use it. Um, I was wondering if there's either a way to install an iPhone, an iPhone um, IPSW on the iPod, um, the iPod device, um, not through iTunes, but through another program, maybe iMazing or, um, or something else. Um, and if that's not possible, then could I install the Apple Watch IPA app from another iPhone that has it onto my iPod Touch? Thanks. Um, you can cut me off here. And I will, Max. Yeah. I just got to say, I feel stupid now. Ah. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 hit a- <laughs> we, we hit acronym overload here, I oh. think. And uh, I'm, is- I'm very impressed, but yeah, I'll let yeah, you uh, so am I. Uh, uh, pick it up, Dave, because... 
I actually didn't know about this term until moments ago, but, uh, Sure. So the, the two things that Max is asking, which are fantastic ideas. So, yeah, first of all, the Apple Watch is not going to work with an iPod touch or is it, Apple has not built it to work with it. There's no reason that I can think of that it couldn't, with the exception of that the Apple Watch is built to be connected to a cellular data source. So many of its features are reliant on consistent access to data that pairing it with a device that only has Wi-Fi and essentially, you know, an iPod touch is a phone without the, the phone chip uh, is going to, is going to leave you with in Apple's mind, a less than perfect experience with the Apple watch. And therefore you don't, uh, you don't get to do it. So what, what, um, what Max was asking was, First, can I take a firmware image from an iPhone 5 and, you know, try and force load it onto the IPFW, right? Uh, force load it onto their IPSW, I guess is what it is, onto the uh, onto the iPod Touch. And I I did a little bit of research on this. No one has. People have tried. You're not, you know, you're in good company uh, for wanting this, but no one has successfully done it. Even hacking in there and pulling out things and, and all of that. Um and then the uh, the other interesting thing is there i to my knowledge there is no file there is no application for the apple watch yes an icon for the apple watch appears on your screen on ios 8 but as far as i can tell it does not run as a separate app I've looked and, and I was looking into this when people were ranting about, uh, you know, how Apple put crapware on my phone with iOS 8.2. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Right. It's not a it, they, it's not an app. I, I launched it and looked at running apps and there is no other app running near as I can tell. It's just a part of iOS settings that is accessible with a different icon on your home screen. Uh, so it does. It's not an extra app. And therefore, no, I don't think. Again, without your first idea, the firmware moving it on there, um, I don't think you can you can do it. So sadly, I, I, I think my my answer to you, uh, Max, is you're out of luck. But um, but great ideas. Mm, so. No, my 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 reply is, is going to be. I'm going to violently disagree. With you I would today, expect nothing, which less. I rarely, which I rarely <laughs> do. Here comes the fish shaking. Well, no, here, I, I would say, uh, so this is to encourage Max, because Max, I, I think you are on a good path. Just the fact that you know the terminology here, and you know the low-level stuff, and you understand. So I, I'm saying, even though Max sounds young, um, on the other hand, nothing wrong with that. And actually, oh, uh, youthful, pli youthful, pliable brains can can conceive of things that we cannot. And I would say, in theory, and uh, being a software and firmware type of guy here, I would say, in theory, you could probably craft an IPSW, otherwise known as a uh, iPhone software or firmware file, to trick uh, an iPod Touch into looking like. Because the thing is, when you think about it, Dave, what, what as you pointed out, what's the difference between an iPod? And an iPhone. Well, an iPod has, and the thing is, you can use an iPod as a development target for a lot of iPhone software. Of course. They still right. offer this. What's the thing that's missing? And you pointed out, it's cellular data. But it does have, 
communication services, either by Wi-Fi or, well, I guess Wi-Fi is pretty much it on the iPod, right? Because yeah, you don't have Bluetooth, a cellular. But, yeah. Right. So if you could hack the firmware, and, and, you know, it's no trivial task, but if you could hack the firmware to fake out whoever's talking to it. Um, it's not just faking it out because you need access to that app. So it, it's not just uh, faking uh, uh, out the watch. No, I understand that. But uh, what I'm saying is that if you can trick the watch into thinking that the device it's talking to has enough data access to accomplish the goals of the, of the watch. Do, do you see where I'm going here? The yeah, trick you're, is to you're trick missing. the iPod into thinking it's an iPhone, I guess is the better way to say that. Correct. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I'm proposing. And it's yeah. not trivial. Uh, I mean, you'd ha- again, you'd have to be a mad hardware hacker, but, uh, but it sounds to me like software we have someone who hacker. It's a yeah. software it's a, and yeah. 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 Firm or firmware hacker. I, yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, it's, it's not impossible, but yeah, it'd be quite, difficult yeah. and challenging it, and I, I would encourage you to try and i think <laughs> no i think the apple watch will probably rekindle the efforts that people made because there, there was very little to gain in figuring out how to install an iphone firmware on an ipod touch except now there is right mm-hmm. um to a degree again i think you're going to be disappointed with using the watch with a a device that doesn't have cellular data, which is oh, sure. why why Apple put this artificial wall up in the first place. But, but yeah, yeah. fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying you may you may have a a subculture of people that they will. And uh, I'm I'm looking for someone to lead the charge here. I'm looking for someone to lead the charge. And it, it's not impossible, but it, it's challenging and difficult. That's all I'm going to say. And then of That's course, right. someone in the chat room brings up the the uh, the iPads with the with the three G capability, you could trick it that way. You know, it's like yeah, maybe, it, uh, yeah, more, it won't. More ha- it has to be an iPhone, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. An an iPad without a phone or an iPad a three G or or LTE iPad, why not? Yeah, absolutely. It's got the huh. data it needs. Yeah, and you know the iPad. I mean, especially like an iPad Mini, where you know it's it's small enough to cart around with you, but large I, enough that you wouldn't keep in your pocket. I bet Apple Sounds opens like almost, that up in the future if not if they haven't. I would agree, yeah, because that's almost the perfect companion for the uh, for the watch. You're not going to get calls on it. Well, you get FaceTime calls. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go, huh? I bet. No, you're I get right. your point, Dave. I I, I'm, I'm just I, I just want to embrace the 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 uh, entrepreneurial <laughs> or hacker spirit. Here. I agree. And can I do this? Uh, yes, it may be difficult, but I, I think technically you can. Let's see if you can break down the barriers and and do it. Yeah. Now, of course, we're not encouraging you, of course, to uh, violate any sort of intellectual property or. or uh, yeah, I think <laughs> as long as he's wink. as long as he's doing it for his own personal <laughs> use, I don't think anybody's going to care. <laughs> Just don't try to bring it in for. Well, it's out of warranty anyway, most likely. So <laughs> you know, you're you're fine there. But you and I, Dave, you and I, when we were manipulating, uh, I'll put it at that, manipulating the telecommunications infrastructure, uh, we, we did similar things. Well, no, you can't do that. Well, yeah, you can if you kind of bend the rules. Yeah. Right? Well, you just that's have all to, I'm going to say. You have to learn how the system works. Yeah, that's right. All right. Jim writes, I waited a long time to install Yosemite on my 15-inch 2013 MacBook Pro. I guess I should have waited longer. <laughs> <laughs> Almost immediately, I started noticing what, the Yosemite computer problems. <laughs> I started noticing the computer slowing down. I popped open Activity Monitor and saw that a process called com.apple.god was hung up. I tried to quit it, but it popped back up right away as not responding. 
I hadn't installed any new software other than Yosemite. So I went to the Apple discussion boards to research the problem. It appears that the uh, fix has been to anytime you use anything that uses the location services like the maps app or other apps that call on location services, uh, this problem will crop up and a couple of workarounds uh, exist, including removing the weather widget from notification center, uh, not launching maps, not letting Safari have access to location. Uh, definitely work as workarounds, but there has been no permanent fix. Uh, I don't know that there's anything that can be done, but I wanted to run it by you guys. Yeah, so this is interesting. Uh, you're you're right that um, many people have seen this problem. I I think it's only being seen on machines that were upgraded to Yosemite over the top, as opposed to clean install of Yosemite. Um, and which is going to be the majority of the machines anyway. But I, I think there's something in that, that upgrade that's causing it again. If we could find the magic P list and kill it, that might solve this problem. But, um, but I'm not sure that we're going to find it. However, I will throw a couple of other things out there. I did some digging in system preferences. If you go into the security and privacy setting, uh, scroll down and there is a system. It'll list all the apps that have asked for access to your location. And then at the bottom of that list, it says system services with a details button hitting the details button shows you two checkboxes. One says allow system services to determine your location with a checkbox by spotlight suggestions. So that means every time you use spotlight, potentially it's reaching out for your location. And this com apple.com.god service is evidently the system service that, uh, or at least one of the system services that's involved in, in sorting out your geolocation. And then the other, uh, and that is by, that is checked by default. So spotlight's going to do that by default, but you can turn it off. And then you also have the option to, which is off by default to show the little location icon in the menu bar when system services are requesting your location. I would recommend, especially for you, Tim, uh, Jim, sorry, we had Tim earlier uh, to turn that on just to make sure you um, you're able to, you know, see when things are, are about to go south. Uh, just, you know, give you a little a little heads up there. But you might even be able to turn it off for spotlight suggestions. Uh, if, you know, if you're not doing anything where that matters, that that might just help you deal with it. But I think the my, my guess is that the solution is going to be to wipe the machine and do a, a clean install of Yosemite. If you've got one of these problems, I hate recommending that. I feel like it's, you know, back to the windows days all over again, but, uh, but there are a lot of needles in this haystack and we haven't found this one yet, but we're trying. Everybody's trying just hasn't been found yet. So any thoughts on this, John? <laughs> oh boy. I figured. Yes, sir. I'm going to question Dave, whether this is an issue at all. Why am I questioning this other than to be combative and just difficult, mm. which uh, I, I never do that. That's it. I mean, that's a good <laughs> enough reason for this show. <laughs> but uh, the reason I'm going to mention this, Dave, is that I'm looking on my Yosemite machine on my MacBook Pro and I'm looking. Uh, so if you go to activity monitor. Yep. And I look at the CPU list, I see com.apple.geode, G-E-O-D. Yep. Not responding. Taking zero percent cpu hey you know what mine's doing that too what i'm uh, uh do you see where i'm going with this i'm i do I'm, 
what what I what I am suggesting is that perhaps uh, perhaps this is being identified as a cause of system slowdown when it actually is not. Nice now, catch. It, it is all right. Now it is un, unpleasant to see things in your CPU list that are not responding. To to me, that indicates, and it shows it. I mean, at least in Yosemite, it shows it in red letters. Yep. Not responding. The thing is, is that necessarily a bad thing? Because the thing is, every time I've looked at this, Dave, and I've had other people bring this up as well, I've never seen it cause a problem other than it showing red letters (laughs) and 0% CPU in Activity Monitor. So is it really a problem? Because I'm, I'm seeing... Two other things right now. So what I'm suggesting is a general uh, level check or troubleshooting tip. Okay, yes. So if you go to Activity Monitor and you look in CPU listing and you see things in red, okay, red is bad in that the thing is not responding, but is that by design? Maybe not. No. So here's here's a, here's what I did. Because I see two other things. I'm just going to toss out two others. So I t- see two others and then I'll hand it back to you. So I see two others. One is I see a Safari notification agent not responding and it's also taking 0% CPU and a Sierra SWOCMON, which is and I know what that is. That is a uh, clear um, my 4G, 3G, 4G clear dongle uses that process and right now it's not plugged in. So it's showing that as a process that is not responding again. Is that necessarily a bad thing? If you see things not responding in the CPU list and then hand back to you. So I will point out that my, I don't have the Sierra one because I don't have that device, but I do have Safari notification agent. And at least on this machine, it is not showing is not responding. Um, mm-hmm. But my God, com.apple.god is. Um, so I did a test to see if, this is simply a mis uh, labeling by activity monitor for lack of a better um, description, or if this process truly is just stuck and not doing anything. So I launched, I first launched uh, well, I was in activity monitor. I double clicked on the process, which brings up details about the process. And I went to open files and ports, open files and ports will show you in real time and updated uh, what, the what services online the uh, process is connecting to and also what files it is trying to open locally. This is super handy for troubleshooting anything. Uh, but so here we are. We're troubleshooting this in real time. I bring it up and I see that it's got, you know, a dozen or two processes right there. Then I launched maps and instantly maps said maps want or the, the system said maps wants to use your location. And so I hit OK. And as soon as I did I saw a zillion more things appear in this list. So this tells me, and all the while the process is showing as not responding in the main activity monitor list. So this is showing me that no, this process is doing just fine. Maps was able to find my location. There is no trouble with any of this and uh, everything's working fine. So I don't, this is just an anomaly in reporting. Now your Safari thing uh, is certainly not an anomaly that my system shares. Uh, it may be an anomaly, the Safari notification agent, but you may actually have a problem there. No, I've got the same thing. Okay, Safari all right, fair agent. enough. Yeah, yeah. So right, and, and that's what you got to do is you got to level set, like you said, John. Look at a couple of other Macs. Just the fact that it's showing up as not responding 
especially in this list, if you've got an application, if you look at, you know, if you go to the Apple menu and go to force quit and you see something not responding there, that's a problem. Almost always. Right. In this case, I think it, it, if anything, I would have to wag my finger at whoever wrote the software and saying that they're probably using poor reporting practices and that they should probably shut the process down. But for whatever reason, and it could be that, that they are, they're, that maybe they're putting it in like a, 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 a sleep state yeah, sure, or something. And it's just coming up as red. And it's and for people that know enough to look in activity monitor, say, well, it's not responding. That's bad, right? And it's like, my conclusion is not necessarily yeah, don't there may be some apps nuts. like because i i've seen multiple people report god as not responding but everything else is working great so so i think it's just uh, well it's like looking of of the god process and that it yeah. comes up in this alarming state <laughs> that concerns some people but it really is not a problem again if it, it was coming up like taking up you know huge processor which it wouldn't if it's not responding, right? But oh, that's not true. I've seen, it, I've seen things oh, eat. Right. Well, yeah, because not responding means that when the system goes to pull it, it does not give it a response. And and so you can that can happen for a lot of reasons. It can happen because a process is wedged, but okay. it can also happen because a process is so deep in whatever it's doing that it's not responding right, to interrupts right, right. from the system. And, and it could be eating, you know, gobs okay. and gobs of CPU. Yeah. So, so in this case, it's, it's just... It's, it's kind of hanging out and offering this status that it's not offering any status is the problem. And, and so the system, right. It. And maybe yeah. it should, maybe, maybe the thread should wake up every now and then it's saying, hi, I'm here. Bye. Yeah, I'm here. Bye. But it's not but it's for not. whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fine, yeah, fine. It, I wouldn't, it's, it's like looking at console logs. Only look when you have a problem. And when you have a problem, only look at things that are going to be related to that problem um, because otherwise you're going to be hunting. If you want to find a problem, you can, <laughs> it's no problem. It's well, very every, easy. I, I think we're all very good at finding problems where they don't exist. Where they don't exist. That's it. <laughs> but we're here to help you quantify and measure like we just did. Like we just hey, did. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Yeah, one measure one. said, eh, but another measure said, hey, no processor. No yeah. problem. Yeah, so we don't, don't have a problem. Don't turn off the spotlight stuff. Just ignore the fact that that's red. Change your uh, monitor to monochrome if uh, if it makes you happier. No. I would if like to know. Anyone is probably going, well, what are you guys looking at that for? I never yeah. counted on anyone leave, looking at that. Leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing well, to we see dig, back here. Dave, we dig deep. That's true. And, and the thing is, I actually, I would love to hear from the person, and maybe we can find out who developed god the, the god daemon yeah and see what they were th- what, what were they thinking what were they doing dave but you know dave if if the listeners want to let us know what they're thinking i have a suggestion and i think they should write an email to feedback at macgeekgab.com that's right, folks. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the address to which you can send email. And, well, you'll send email. You can put anything you want in the email. Pictures, screenshots, videos. We've t- we've seen it all. Audio. Yeah, that's right. Feedback what do you think, at MacGeekGab.com. Oh. Feedback. Not feedback. Feedback. 
<laughs> at MacGeekGab. Well, uh, you can call us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is? 4335. And if you're on what f- other destination could we talk about, Dave? If you're on Facebook, visit uh, MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook, and that will get you to our Facebook discussion group. It's awesome. We also have a Facebook page, which you can go and like, and, and that's a good thing for us uh, for us all as well. But but really, the main discussions happen in our Facebook discussion group. It's awesome there. And uh, we highly recommend you check it out. In fact, what I need to do is pin a post to the top of our page that says join our discussion group so that people, because sometimes somebody will post something on just the page. We don't want that. I mean, you can, but you're not going to get the benefit of the group when you do that. Uh, typically, it's just John and I that, that see those. So wait, there's the page and the, uh, now I'm all confused. Yeah, man. that's right. So there's, that's you right. There's fix a, that. There's a, well, there's, you can call up Mark Zuckerberg if you want to fix that, but it's, uh, yeah, we I will. A, we have a What's Facebook his number? page. Do you uh, have his number? I do. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Really? Yeah. He's published it. <laughs> I have it somewhere. Of course. Uh, it, Will he it, answer? Um, I don't know. I've never called him. I don't probably. Why not? Why wouldn't okay. he? I answer well, my phone yeah, when it rings. Sure. He's a smart guy. You I know don't answer. I know. Well, there's there. That's the difference between uh, you and Mark Zuckerberg, isn't it? In that I miss opportunities and he does not. He does not. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So check us out there. Uh, I do want to thank Michael Johnston from uh, the iOS show podcast and also getappler.com. I want to thank Michael specifically for converting this show to AAC with all the chapters and enhancing it with links and everything. It's absolutely fantastic, man. We really appreciate you doing that for us. And I know all of you out there appreciate it as well. On top of that, I want to thank the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for converting or not for converting this show, for sending you this show. They provide all the bandwidth and they have the show on servers all over, I think 32 servers now is what they've got. Maybe more, 35 all over the all over the world. And it uh, helps make sure you get the show as fast as you possibly can. I do want to thank our sponsors again. Of course, Smile, as we mentioned, PDF Pen Scan Plus is absolutely fantastic. You really owe it to yourself to check that out. Also, the fantastic folks at Gazelle at gazelle.com, imazing.com. MGG gets you 20% off there. Drobo.com. MGG50 still gets you 50 bucks off a Gen 3 Drobo. But check B&H Photo because you might be able to get it for even cheaper there. Squarespace.com slash MGG with coupon code MGG 10% off. And last but not least, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash MGG gets you 10 days of their free training videos. Please go check it out. Pete, you haven't been here in a while. Do you have any, uh, have you, in, in your world travels, have you gathered any advice that you feel maybe in, you know, three short words might be something we can share with the listeners here? I have, Dave and John, both of you, but, but I'm only going to share this once. Don't get caught. Made up.